have not been able to wait to preach this message. And so I'm, I'm glad that this moment has come. There's going to be somebody whose life is going to be transformed today. I'm convinced of that. Maybe several of you. Because the material that we're going to have in today's message is truly life-transforming. I'm dealing with the subject that anger changes us. It's the downside of anger. There's a movie out today I haven't seen. It's called The Upside of Anger. But whatever the upside of anger is, it's pretty small. Most of us know about the downside of anger. And that is that anger changes. It's a very powerful emotion. It has very peculiar power to transform us and change us. How many of us in an angry moment have done something or said something that later we said to ourselves, I can't believe that those words could come out of my mouth, or I can't believe that somebody like me could do something like that? That's because anger changes us. This year in sports, a pitcher of a Major League Baseball team got angry at what a sports writer wrote about him, slammed his hand into something solid and broke his hand. We're talking about a man who makes millions of dollars of year, a year using his hand, but in anger he broke his hand. And yet that's not something he would do in a rational moment. It's just that anger changes us. But I want to go beyond that a little deeper this morning because we all know what it's like to have an episode with anger and we find ourselves doing or saying something that we can't believe. But anger has a much more powerful ability to change us over the long haul. If we let anger stay in our lives, it will change who we are. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 4 verse 26, and don't let the sun, uh, don't, let, uh, don't sin by letting anger gain control, control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. The Bible says, do not let the sun go down while you're angry. And here's the reason. If you do, you won't wake up the same person tomorrow. If you let anger stay with you overnight, you'll be just a little different. Some of you may have read or seen the movie, Dor a picture of Dorian Gray, the man whose image on the picture changed imperceptibly at first, but definitely. And so it is with all of us. The moment we let anger camp in our lives, we begin to change into a different person. And if you let that happen for a long period of time, the day will come when you won't recognize yourself and other people won't be able to recognize you. As I said, anger has more power than any other emotion that I know of to change us in a negative way. I want to take us back in time to an Old Testament story in your Bible. There's a, a four-chapter book written. It's got a woman's name. It's stories about a woman. And the book is named Ruth. Now the story opens with a lady whose name is Naomi. Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law. And it happened that when Naomi was a young woman, a young wife, things got bad in Bethlehem, the city where they lived. And her husband, Elimelech, said, we need to get out of here, kind of like the people who've left New Orleans and moved to other places to survive. These people left Bethlehem <clears throat> And they went to a place called Moab. Moab was a bad place. Moab was a place where people did not know God. They did not worship the true God. They were sexually immoral. They were promiscuous. It was a bad place. But while the family, while Elimelech and Naomi were in Moab, their sons, Mahon and Kilian, got married. And they married two girls from Moab. And things went south in a big way. The day came when Elimelech, the dad who made the decision to leave and go, died and his family had to bury him in Moab. 
But as if that weren't bad enough, <clears throat> one by one, Naomi's two sons, Marlon and Kilion, died in succession, leaving her with two daughter-in-laws from Moab, brokenhearted, painless, lost, destitute. And finally the time came when she decided she was going to go back to Bethlehem. And she, when she came into Bethlehem, encountered the people, the women there, who had known her in a previous life. She met the women who knew her when she was a young woman. I should tell you that Naomi's name means pleasant. Evidently, she was an attractive woman, attractive in every way, physically attractive, personality attractive. Whenever people saw her coming, they said, there's Miss Beauty, there's the pleasant lady. She was the woman you wanted to see if you ran into somebody in town. The only problem was that when Naomi got to Bethlehem, verse 19 of chapter 1 says, <clears throat> the entire town was stirred by their arrival. <clears throat> Is it really Naomi, they asked? <clears throat> Excuse me. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why should you call me Naomi or Pleasant when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy? When Naomi came home, she was such a different woman that the people that she had known for years did not recognize her. And she said, don't call me Naomi anymore. I'm not pleasant anymore. I am bitter, so just call me bitter from now on. In chapter 1, when you open this book, you're looking at a dead-end life. And I know as a pastor of a great church and as one who talks to people all the time, there are millions of people just like Naomi who have bad things happen in their lives and they just die before their time. They're angry. And their anger changes them. By the way, I didn't say tragedy changes them because tragedy does not have this kind of power. I've met people who encounter tragedy after tragedy, but they're still joyful and pleasant. They're still Naomi's. But anger does have the power to transform us. But there's something about this story that makes us take a second look. Thank you, Lance. <clears throat> you get a prophet's reward, according to the Bible. <laughs> but I'm not much of a prophet. I should warn you about that. The thing that makes us take another look at this story and makes it so wonderful is that it ends well. I was going to preach to you about Saul in this sermon because there was a man who started out well and descended into madness, but God changed my heart and my mind, and I'm going to preach to you about Naomi because what's so exciting about this is this is a woman who has bad stuff happen in her life. She gets angry and bitter, and it changes her, but then the story begins to go good again. It begins to end well, and so that's what I want to point, to, point out to you today, this time in Ruth chapter 4. And verse 14, look at the end of the story. The Bible says, And the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord who has given you a family redeemer today. May he be famous in Israel. May this child restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you so much and who has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took care of the baby and cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor women said, now at last Naomi has a son again. 
What you see in this out of the story is bracketed. At the beginning, Naomi is so angry that she says, just call me bitter. But by the end of the story, Naomi is praising the Lord for what God has done in her life. How did this angry woman get to such a place of joy again in her life? She did three things. And these three things that I'm going to give you today are life-changing. The Bible tells us how they happen. I want you to look in chapter 1, verse 6, for the very first one. Notice the Bible says, Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. Here is number one. Here's the first thing that changed an angry woman or an angry person into a joyful person. She decided to focus on the future. That was important because her past was ugly. Folks, there will always be something in your past that's ugly. I don't care who you are or what kind of home you grew in, grew up in, there's always going to be something in your past that will be ugly. The problem with the past is it's not going to budge. It's not going to change. Naomi couldn't change the fact that her family moved to Moab. She couldn't change the fact that her husband died. She could not change the fact that her sons had died. The past was not going to budge. You and I cannot undo history. And if we will let the past, it will make us angry because there's always something ugly in your past. Maybe something that someone did to you when you were a child. Maybe some opportunity that was taken away from you at a critical moment. Maybe somebody who took advantage of you and abused you in some way. I'm not knocking or denigrating the importance of all those bad things that can happen. I'm just saying this. You can't change the past. If you let the past cause you to live in anger, it, it'll be a sad thing because you'll wind up like Naomi and you'll be bitter and you'll just say, I'm sorry, I'm not the pleasant person that I used to be. Just call me bitter because I've changed. There will always be something in your past to be unhappy about. But if you have made the decision to follow Jesus Christ, which I pray that you have, there will always be something in your future to be happy about. There will always be something that you can look forward to to be happy about. Now, here's the thing. If you've let yourself become so angry about the past that you're bitter, chances are you're going to say to me, no, there's not. There's nothing for me to be happy about. And it's not that there's not something to be happy about. It's just that the past has so clouded your way of thinking. And the anger that you carry with you has so clouded your way of thinking that you can't see the good things that God has for your future. And that means that as we sang in the worship service today, you've got to choose. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, No, dear brothers and sisters, I am still not all I should be. But I am focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. So if those things that have gone wrong for you in life that are making you angry, that you still dredge up and look at and grieve over and make yourself unhappy about, you have to let go of those things. I don't mean the memories that you have of people, because sometimes that, what, what's making you angry will be the loss of some person in your life who is very precious to you, and those emotions will get all jumbled up because you certainly have love for that person who is gone. But if you allow anger to creep into the occasion and you start getting mad at God and start getting, start getting mad at other people, it will hurt you. You've got to choose whether you're going to look back on the pain of your past or what God wants to do in your future. 
Here's the second thing that Naomi did. She stopped hiding from love. There was a person in Naomi's life who loved her. This is in Ruth chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says, But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes instead of coming with me, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. Now, at this point in Naomi's life, she has only two people left in her world. She has two daughters-in-law. They're from Moab. They're not from Judah where she lives. And Naomi is so unhappy and so painful that she is saying to these two girls, I want you to go back. I want you to get out of my life. No, verse 10, they said, we want to go with you and to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who will grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has caused me to suffer. And again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth insisted on staying with Naomi. See, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. I will go wherever you go and live wherever you live. Your people will be my people and your God my God. I will die where you die and I will be buried there. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. So when Naomi saw that Ruth had made up her mind to go with her, she stopped urging her. Let's go back to the story. As we said a few moments ago, Naomi was missing the love of her husband. She was missing his embrace. She was missing the presence of her sons. But as we saw in what we just read, there was one person who still loved her. The problem was Naomi was so angry about what had happened to her that she was blinded to the love that was in her life. I believe something today. Even though you may have suffered a lifetime and paid a pain and heartache, God will always put somebody in your life who loves you. I'm convinced of that. God will always put somebody in your life who loves you. And even if you can't find that person, there is somebody in this universe who loved you enough to give his only son for you. I promise you, there is somebody who loves you. And you know, as one who deals with a lot of people, uh, sometimes, you know, as, as crazy as it may sound, you just get somebody in your life who doesn't like you. In my case, I can't imagine anybody wouldn't like me, but uh, they're just people, sometimes on occasion, just don't like you. And that's going to happen to all of us. And sometimes, I kind of am amazed at that because I wonder, what did I ever do to that person to cause that person not to like me? Oftentimes, it's the people I've done the most for. But I'll ask myself, what have I ever done to cause this person to have such feelings toward me? But when I think like that, I find myself sliding down. Much more often, I could wisely look at the people who love me and say, why would those people love me? What have I ever done for those people? See, I'm just telling you this. In your life, there are going to be people that are moving towards you, and there are going to be people who are moving away from you. That's, that's just life. Not everyone is going to love you. Not every relationship is going to go well. Not every person is going to be a faithful friend. Not every person is even going to be worth your time. 
All I'm saying is this. In your life, there will be people moving towards you. There will be people who are moving away from you. If you choose to focus on those people who are moving away from you, you're going to be a very angry person. And the sad thing is, you're going to maybe f take for granted the love of the people who are in your life who do care about you. I'm not saying that we shouldn't love our enemies. We talked about that last week. You should love your enemies. You should pray for them. But be careful that you don't spend so much time trying to win the love of people who will never love you that you take for granted and overlook the love of the people in your life who do love you. You can spend your time and focus your time on those who are moving away from you or those who are moving towards you. Your heart is only so big. Your attention span is only so great. What a shame that Naomi was trying to send away the last person in her life who loved her. She was missing her husband. She was missing her sons. But there was nothing she could do about the past. That was not going to change. Well, I have to agree. If you think about where she is, it doesn't sound like a whole lot, does it? I mean, you lose your husband. You lose your sons. And all you have left is a girl who grew up in a pagan country. Just... One daughter-in-law doesn't sound like a whole lot left. What difference can the love of one insignificant person make? Well, if you know the end of the book of Ruth, you know that it just changed history, that's all. I don't want to give it away, but the thing that ends great in this story, it is so wonderful that it absolutely changed history. We'll look at it in just a moment. But let's talk about the three things again. What's the first thing that Naomi did? Naomi started focusing on the future. The second thing that she did was she stopped hiding from the love that was in her life. And now the third thing. But before I get to it, I want to tell you just a little bit of a story. When Naomi and Ruth got back to Bethlehem, they came back during the time of barley harvest. But they had no land to grow crops on. They had planted no crops. And they were going to starve to death if they didn't find some way to put food on the table. There was a Jewish law that allowed for poor people, homeless people sometimes, if, if they were hungry, they could follow the reapers in the fields. And if, if, if a piece of grain or a head of grain fell, a sheath fell, or, or, or a blade of grain fell, uh, the poor people could come behind the reapers and pick them up and gather what fell behind. It was called gleaning. And when Ruth went to, to, to Judah, she saw that opportunity, and she began to follow some reapers in the field of a man whose name was Boaz. And as she followed and picked things up, Boaz, the owner, came along. He was a very wealthy man. He saw what was happening, and he asked some of his reapers who the woman was who was picking up grain there in the fields, and they said, that's Ruth. She's the daughter-in-law of Naomi who came back. And Boaz knew that Ruth loved Naomi, that she was being very good to her. And so Boaz instructed his men not to chase her off, to let her glean in the fields, and he said something kind of neat to the to reapers. He said, you know, every once in a while, why don't you let some of the good grain just fall down on purpose so that she can pick it up? And so Ruth filled, up her, Ruth filled up her apron, so to speak, with all kinds of grain. And when she got back home, Naomi was blessed by that and surprised. And in verse 19 of chapter 2, so much Naomi exclaimed, Where did you gather all this grain today? Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. And she said, The man I worked with today is Boaz. His name is Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is complete. 
This is wonderful, Naomi exclaimed. There was a law in Israel in those days called the Law of the Kinsman Redeemer, and it went something like this, that if a woman's husband died, it was the duty of the nearest male kinsman relative to redeem, to marry her so that she could have sons that would be part of that family and take care of her so that she would have an inheritance to pass on to generations to come. But of course, all of Naomi's sons were dead, and so it was going to have to go to someone else in the family who was a close redeemer. When, when Ruth came home that day with all that grain and showed Naomi what she gathered and said, I gathered this in the field of a man named Boaz, and he told me to come back, Naomi got excited because she knew not only was God taking care of them, God might have a plan for the future, and it might involve Boaz marrying Ruth. And you can read the rest of the story. God worked it out just that way. And there was a point at which Boaz took Ruth and married her, and God blessed, and God brought Naomi happiness and grace. But the thing that I find, the third thing that I noticed that Naomi did, she found something in her life about which to say, that's wonderful. When she came back home, Naomi didn't have anything wonderful in her life. It was always, that's terrible. Do you know anybody who's like that? Maybe you're like that. It's like life is always terrible. It's life is always wrong. Life is always painful. Find something in your life that you can say, that's wonderful about. Folks, I can tell you in my life, I find a lot of things that are painful and difficult and challenging. But as I follow Jesus Christ, there are so many wonderful things in my life. Find something to be joyful about. Well, the story ends with Ruth having a baby, and the neighbor woman in verse 17 of chapter 4 gave him a name, saying, A son is born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David, the ancestor of Jesus Christ. Don't you like that? This is a story that starts angry. It starts with a woman who's angry at God because life has gone all wrong. But there came a point where she decided that God was doing great things, and even though it was a small step, it was a tiny step to walk toward what God was doing, but she said, I'm going to leave Moab. I have a future. I don't know what's out there in that future yet, but I'm going to take a step toward my future. And then she stopped hiding from love, just like some of you need to do. You're unhappy today because things are going bad. You know, you have a boss who chews on you and makes life miserable. But if you have a wife who loves you, who cares about you, don't hide from love. Receive the love of your wife. Receive the love of your husband. Receive the love of your parents. Maybe the person you want to love you doesn't love you, but there's someone in your life who does. Most of all, God cares about you. God loves you. And then finally, find something in your life that's wonderful. Find something to have joy in. Find something that makes you happy, that makes you smile, that makes you want to get up in the morning and face the day, that makes you want to worship like we worship today. God is doing great things in our world. He's doing great things in our life. It's just that we have to choose. Let's pray.